Welcome to the Ridge Life Podcast. We at Pleasant Ridge Christian Fellowship trust this message will be an encouragement to you. Please join with us as we look into God's Word with Pastor Mike Bird. Well, we're going to be in the book of Ephesians, Ephesians chapter number six, being reminded uh, that uh, this is third year that I've been here, I thought it might be appropriate, we'll just go through all the messages and sum them all up with one word, truth. And that's what we're going to be looking at today is truth. Uh, Ephesians chapter number six, and uh, we're going to be coming here now to the uh, armor that uh, Paul is talking to us, and uh, also any children uh, want to go with uh, Omer, and uh, I don't know who's helping you today, Omer, but uh, you are dismissed if you want to go back there uh, with him. But uh, Ephesians 6 here, and uh, Paul's going to be talking about the armor now, as we're, we're getting to the armor, and what that armor is for the believer, and uh, I think you're going to see here uh, as we go through this list that, that Paul has uh, provided, um, he's, he's talking about this armor of a, of a Roman soldier. And uh, remember, you know, the armor, God provides armor. Uh, but we have to take the initiative and actually put it on. Um, it's not the matter of just saying, well, I'm going to let go and let God, or I'm just going to kind of grit my teeth and bear through this situation. God gives you the armor, but you have to actually take the initiative and put it on. And so we're going to see here what, how God provides this armor and uh, how we are to be uh, putting it on. And so Paul here, he's been talking about these spiritual forces, these spiritual uh, wickedness and evil dominions that are, that are about in the heavenly places and the, the wrestling match that's going on, how we're wrestling against the uh, evil forces. And he lists here six pieces of armor. And he talks about the belt of truth. He talks about the breastplate of righteousness. He talks about the sandals of the preparation of the gospel of peace, the shield of faith, the helmet of salvation, um, the sword of the spirit, uh, which is the word of God. And so today we're only going to focus in on the first part one of that, and that is the belt of truth. And this belt of truth really stands in opposition against our world and our culture today. Uh, you have to recognize that if you're a follower of Jesus, you have to recognize that if you're going to follow truth, it is going to be in direct contrast to the so-called truth of the world today in our society uh, that propagates today. Uh, in our culture today, it's sad to say that people believe that there is no such thing as absolute truth, meaning you can't say that this is the only truth. Uh, people say things like, well, you have your truth, I have my truth, and I'm going to believe my truth, you can believe your truth, but don't tell me that my truth is wrong. Uh, you need to be tolerant of my truth. And this is really, especially, you'll see this even through the whole month of June, 
uh, people that are going to be promoting for equality and uh, you need to accept and all those types of things. So it's very, very important that you as a believer understand that when we put on truth, it is going to stand in opposition to what people have today as their uh, so-called uh, truth. Uh, to quote uh, Ben Shapiro, uh, he sometimes says, if grandpa believes that the radio is talking to him, then we shouldn't say anything as to disturb his beliefs because that would offend him. And he's talking about this people that uh, don't want to offend people by telling them that they're wrong. And uh, it would be wrong to tell, tell grandpa that he's crazy that the radio's talking to him. Uh, but really what grandpa needs is he needs help and he needs to be told, no grandpa, the radio's not talking to you, all right? So when we have truth, it's important that we stand for truth, that we fight for truth. If we throw out this whole idea of uh, absolute truth, um, we are discarding absolute standards of morality because anything goes, right? I mean, if you believe that cannibalism is okay, then... Who are you to say that uh, it's not okay? Uh, if you believe that uh, sexual immorality is okay, then who are you to say uh, that it's wrong? So it's very important that as believers we stand for truth. Uh, there are some uh, that believe that the Holocaust never even happened. There's people that uh, uh, believe that uh, you can believe certain things that, that are total <coughs> fantasies. Uh, and we, it's so important that we stand on truth. Uh, and I believe that we're seeing truth decaying in our very eyes. We're seeing it fall. People, people are promoting more about um, uh, feelings over facts. Uh, it's more important that you don't hurt my feelings than to tell me the truth. So it's important that we stand on truth. And uh, so Paul is talking about this uh, belt of truth here. Uh, a study by George Barna showed that while only 28% of the general population express strong belief in absolute truth, meaning that there is real truth and it's absolute, you can believe in it. Among those who identified themselves as born-again evangelists, um, the number dropped to only 23%. So out of people that in the world, they did the study, and the people that actually believe that there's only real truth, only 28% of people in our population believe that there's only such a thing as real truth. That's frightening. And when brought that study to people who confess that they are born again, followers of Jesus Christ, the number only dropped to 23%. Guys, we have to make sure that we are standing on truth, that we are using truth, that we're not just accepting everything that the world throws at us. So it's important for that. So this is what it all comes down to. Do you believe and practice truth? Do you believe and practice truth? If God's word contradicts what you and I believe, it is you and I that are in error, not God. And so this is what I want you to take away with you today. To stand firm against the enemy, you will need the belt of truth. 
to stand firm against the enemy, you will need the belt of truth. Let's look at a couple things here, what Paul says. Ephesians 6, 14, he says, Stand therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth. For the Roman soldier, this girdle or this belt was a leather-type-like apron that they would wear, and it extended basically down to the thighs, and what they would do is it was there to protect the lower abdomen area. All this area was supposed to protect them. And many times what they would do is they would take their robe and they would bring it up and they would tuck it into their belt so that they could move about a lot quicker. Uh, so they would not be encumbered by a lot of material. And so when we talk about this in other translations, uh, your translation may read this, it talks about having your loins girded about with truth. The loins were often a metaphor for strength. And girding oneself has the idea of displaying power and courage. So you are girding yourself with the power and the courage of truth. The main idea here is that of that of a soldier girding his loins so that he was ready for fierce combat. Because remember, we're in a spiritual warfare. There's principalities and powers at work in heavenly places, spiritual wickedness. And so we need to be girded about, ready for that fierce combat. And so if we're not strong and ready to fight with truth, then we are not going to be able to stand in that wicked day. So what does this mean to put on the belt of truth? Is it the truth of God's word? Or is it the truthfulness and the integrity of the believer actually living out truth? Well, I believe it is both because this armor is a metaphor of Jesus Christ. We are supposed to be putting on the Lord Jesus Christ as believers. He is the truth. And if we put on Christ as the truth, then surely we will be able to live as truthful people. Romans 13, 14 says this, Instead, put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to arouse its desires. 2 Corinthians 6, 7, By truthful teaching, by the power of God, with weapons of righteousness, both for the right hand and for the left. And I want to show you something very interesting, because over the past 50 messages that we've been looking through here, uh, through the book of Ephesians, what is the one thing that has been being emphasized over and over and over and over and over again? Paul is giving us something. It's truth. He's been giving you truth, giving you truth, giving you truth. Uh, chapters 1 through 3 tells us what God did for us when he saved us and placed us in Christ. Chapters 4 through 6 spell out for us exactly how we are supposed to be living now in that truth. Um, notice here, just mark a few of these verses uh, with me. Look at Ephesians 1.13. He says, In him you also, when you heard the word of what? Truth. The gospel of your salvation. You believed in him who were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. Look at Ephesians 4.15. Look what he says here. Rather speaking the what? Truth. 
in love, we are to grow up every way into him who is the head into Christ. Look at Ephesians 4.21. Assuming that you have heard about him and were taught in him as the truth is in Jesus. Look at Ephesians uh, 4.24. And to put on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. Look at Ephesians 4.25. Therefore, having put away falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. Look at Ephesians 5.9. For the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true. So he's been emphasizing truth, 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 truth. And so the foundation for truth is the gospel. It's what centers in who Jesus is. He's the embodiment of truth itself. Remember what he said? He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. So one of the results of our being new creatures in Jesus Christ, if you are a believer in Jesus, if you are a new creature in Christ, one of the results of that is that you are going to be truthful people. So putting on the belt of truth involves being ready for battle. It's by girding up ourselves with the truth. Understanding that this is truth, I'm going to take it and I'm going to put it on and I'm going to live it out. But what exactly is truth? Pilate asked Jesus this question, and Jesus had to say to him in John 18, 37, For this I have been born, and for this I have come into the world to testify to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. Jesus certainly believed that there was knowledge that could be labeled as true, truthful, and absolute truth. Jesus wasn't just like, well, I'm not really sure what truth really is there, Pilate. Whatever you think it might be. He says, no, I know actual truth. So what are some of the things that we know are to be truthful? Now, this is not really an exhaustive list, but I think these are some things that God's word does reveal as actually being truthful things that you can rely upon. Number one, God is truth. Webster's Dictionary defines truth as conformity to fact or reality. So truth is not what we think it should be, but to what really exists external to ourselves. I am wearing a red shirt. You all just looked. Is that a true statement? No. If I were to say I'm wearing a red shirt, you'd be like, Mike, no, you're wearing a blue shirt. No, it's red. I would be living in a different reality thinking that what I'm saying is true. So when we say that God is truth, we have to recognize that that is a truthful statement, not because we don't, because what we perceive, but because of what God actually states. God is the only essential reality in the universe. He is truth and he is the standard for all truth. Jesus referred to him as the only true God in John 17, 3. And so if he is the only external self-existent being, 
that he is the truth, the only unchanging reality in the universe. He cannot lie, according to Titus chapter 1, verse number 2. Secondly, Jesus Christ is truth. John 1.14 states that uh, Jesus, it says, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we saw His glory as the only begotten from the Father, full of grace and truth. Jesus claimed that His reason for coming to this earth was to testify of the truth in John 18.37. He claimed to speak the truth in John 8.45 and verse number 46. He prayed in John 17.3, This is eternal life that they may know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. So if we want to know the truth, we must come to know God through the one who was the embodiment of truth, which is Jesus Christ. Thirdly, God's word is the revelation of truth. Jesus prayed in John 17, 17, sanctify them in the truth, your word is truth. Paul referred to the Bible and its central message, the gospel, as the word of truth in 2 Timothy 2.15. And so anytime anybody departs from the teaching, from the truth of the message of God's word, they are in error. I don't care if they use the words God, Jesus, Christ, church. They are in error because they have departed from the teaching of the word. God communicates us through his word, and his word is clearly and precisely communicated. And I believe this is one of the dangers of the emergent church that we are seeing in our generation today. Um, because, and if you don't know what the, what the emergent church is, it's a, it's a movement that falls into line with, with basic postmodernistic thinking. In other words, it's all about having an experience my experience dictates whether or not God is true. Or I had this religious experience, but yet it does not line up with God's word. That's emergent. That is postmodernistic type thinking. Um, it's what you think is truth rather than what is reality. It emphasizes the spiritual experience uh, more than obeying truth. It places the outward over the inward. It places feelings over truth. Well, I just don't feel like I'm connecting with God right now. Well, the Bible says draw near to God and he'll draw near to you. It doesn't say you have to feel like you're connecting to him. Um, they basically are willing to depart from the revealed truth that is revealed in Scripture to make people feel more comfortable. In these types of churches, you won't hear words like sin, hell, judgment, and you'd be very hard-pressed to hear a clear representation of the gospel message. Martin Lloyd-Jones had this to say about the postmodern emergent church that was waking its way uh, in, in the 70s in, uh, in England there during this day. And he says this, he says, The truth can be defined, it can be stated in propositions. That is what we find in these epistles. It teaches us clearly that you must therefore say that any other teaching is wrong and you must condemn it. The New Testament argues the New Testament is polemical. 
The Apostle Paul uses very strong language. He says that some people believe a lie, that there are false teachers, and he warns people to flee from them. So we must stand on truth. It's very important. Fourthly, God and his word are true for every generation and culture. God's word is not outdated. It never is outdated. It's true stand as a timeless testimony of the validity that God is true. And everything that he says is true. And we don't have to change God's word or we don't have to change what God is saying. We just take it at what face value, what it says. And we believe it and we practice it and we live it out. So God and his word are true for every generation and culture. So if we know what truth is, then how do we practically put on truth? I mean, do you go over to your uh, dresser and say, boy, I'm going to get me out a belt of truth this morning and put it on? How do we put on truth? Well, here's the second thing. Put the belt of truth on. How do we put on truth? So obviously, if God has already given us his truth, then as believers, we must put on that truth. But how do we do that exactly? Here they are. Number one, if you are going to stand firm against the enemy, fasten yourself with the core truths of the gospel. What do I mean by this? Paul writes in 2 Corinthians 4.4, 4, the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelieving so that they might not see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. If people get saved, it is because God opened their eyes. He shined unto them the gospel, the reality that they were lost and that they needed Christ. Um, he shines in their hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. And so to put on the belt of truth, you must have been born again. If you're not a believer in Christ, you don't know Jesus as your Savior, you've never been born again, then sad to say, you can't put on the belt of truth. Sure, you can say truthful things like 2 plus 2 equals 5, 4, but you can't actually put on truth. You can't put on the Lord Jesus Christ because you don't know him. James 1.18 says here, by his sovereign plan, he gave us birth through the message of truth that we would be a kind of first fruits of all that he created. So the core truths of the gospel are so important for the believer. The fact of who Jesus is, that he was sinless, that he died, that he was crucified, that he was resurrected, and that you've believed on him. That is truth. And you put those things into practice in your life. You put them on every single morning of who I am in Jesus Christ. I've been saved. I've been washed. I've been justified. I've been regenerated by the Holy Spirit. Not because of my feelings, but because of the truth of God's word and what it says. 1 Timothy 4.1 tells us that there are going to be false teachers who are going to promote false doctrines. He says, now the Spirit explicitly says that in the latter times some will desert the faith and occupy themselves with deceiving spirits and demonic teachings. 
That's why it's so important that we remain fast and hold fast to the gospel, to what the gospel actually teaches, because we don't want to be deceived and be taught with demonic-type teachings. Satan and the demons deceive unbelievers in many ways, but especially with regard to the gospel. 2 Thessalonians 2, 9-12, the arrival of the lawless one, the Antichrist, will be by Satan's working. Notice how he's going to work. With all kinds of miracles and signs and false wonders. And with every kind of evil deception directed against those who are perishing because they found no place in their hearts for the truth so as to be saved. Consequently, God sends on them a deluding influence so that they will believe what is false. And so all of them who have not believed the truth but have delighted in evil will be condemned. So this is why it is so important that we go back to the bedrock of the gospel and we hold fast to what has been revealed to us. Secondly, if you are going to stand firm against the enemy, fasten yourself with truthful behavior. So if you are truth, in other words, if you have received truth, actually be what you are. It's more than just knowing what the Bible says. We must actively put on these truths, live them out, walk them out. Our Christian walk depends on putting on the new man created in righteousness and holiness of the truth, Ephesians 4, 21 through 24. The truest thing about you is not what you feel. It is not what others say or think about you. The truest thing about you is what God says is true. And so if God reveals to you something in your life that is wrong, then you have to make the change. If God reveals something in your life that is true, we praise him, we thank him, so we actually have to live it out. So you must live it out. You must stand firm against the enemy. We must gird ourselves with truth to experience and fight and withstand this evil things that are, that are, that are surrounding us, that are, that are in our lives we have to be able to stand against them. The only way you're going to do that is having your loins girt about with truth. Let's pray together. Father, I do thank you for your word. I thank you that it is through your truth that we are able to stand. And Lord, I pray that every single one of us in here would make the decision to stand, to have our loins girt about with truth. The Lord, we just wouldn't be a hearer of your word, but that we would actually be a doer of it, regardless of how we feel. Um, I pray, Lord, that your word would have its way, that it would take root in our hearts, and that it would promote uh, godly behavior, um, Christ-like uh, behavior, 
and that uh, we would be able to stand in the evil day, having done all that we could do to stand. I thank you for this body of believers here. Lord, you are the one who is the head. You are the one that leads and guides. And uh, I do thank you for our other elders here in this church. And I pray that uh, we as the elders, that we would stand for truth and that we would um, protect uh, this body of believers and uh, defend them uh, from the wolves. Thank you so much for your love and your care towards us. Help us to live out truth this week. And we ask all this in the name of Christ. Amen. If you're interested in more information about our church or knowing the peace that Jesus gives, visit our website at lifeattheridge.church.